0: You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. This is the last episode of Uprooted for the year of 2017. It's been a very interesting year here. We've put out a lot of reports and a lot of blogs, and we've done a lot of projects. And I'm joined by our executive director, Juliette Majot, to talk about IATP's year in review. Uh, So Juliette, let's start out maybe in the end of 2016. We had been doing a lot of planning at IATP, based on the world looking very different. Um, Obviously, the election here in the United States threw uh, much of civil society into chaos. Um, But talk about what our initial conversations were and how we, in the immediate aftermath of the election, started planning a path forward.
1: When we sat down um, the day after the US election and said what happened here and why, and how quickly uh, and how um, I think naturally the conversation turned to what was going on in rural America and with rural voters. And what was it that people were trying to say? Um, was it that they were trying to say that they wanted Donald Trump as president? Our conclusion was much more, no, that wasn't exactly it. What they wanted was to be heard. What they wanted was was a change. Um, and we needed to listen to that. And, and we were able to do that. But instead of working on on specific policy issues, the way we may have been able to do under a different administration, we found ourselves, um, like so many progressive thinkers, and um, like so much of the country, uh, figuring out how to move forward, both resisting the kind of leadership that we see in the Trump administration, and also documenting what was happening at the federal level of our government in terms of agriculture and trade policies, in terms of what that means for farmers, what it means for rural communities, um, and in terms of putting together new trade trade ideas um, that help people understand what the problems with the trade agreements really are, as opposed to what the Trump administration insists that they are. So I guess um, uh, it helps to be an organization that's very much on top of trade and agriculture. The change in, in government here had political ramifications, but it didn't change our analysis and our critique.
0: So, you know, Trump made trade uh, a hallmark of his campaign. And um, you had alluded to earlier, it was for reasons very different uh, than, than our analysis. Um, IATP very early in the year decided we need to have a major uh, role in the NAFTA negotiations and so far we've done that. Um, We've put out a lot of research, we've recollected uh, 25 years worth of research documenting the negative effects of NAFTA and right now the, the negotiations appear to be a kind of a standstill. Can you talk about our role and also civil society's role in general? in helping to shape the narrative around trade in general this year, but specific with uh, specific regard to NAFTA? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, if something could say about the year 2017, it would be that the year 2017 was when trade agreements all hit the rocks um, at the same time, practically speaking. I mean, we've just come to the end of this year, um, uh, and, and even the World Trade Organization is is, really on the rocks, um, just following its negotiations, um, its, its ministerial meeting that it had just a few weeks ago in Buenos Aires. I don't think that any of this is particularly surprising. And I think that this had a very good, I think that these agreements actually had a good chance of going on the rocks, even before Donald Trump uh, made his proclamations. And the reason for that is that there is a long, there is a history, a rich history, of civil society attention and civil society focus on trade agreements, how they were negotiated, what was in them, et cetera, et cetera. IATP is one of a number of organizations, but a lead organization that has about 30 years of experience looking at the problem with globalization and trade agreements. By documenting how trade agreements um, have been not negotiated in a democratic way, by documenting what the impacts of trade are on farmers, on food system workers, on human rights by understanding that trade agreements are supposed to be international agreements to the benefit of all trading partners um, and not agreements that are simply for the protection of the most powerful signer of that agreement. Um, All of these things have come into play over the last 30 years. And over the last five years, um, IATP has played an extremely important role in a national coalition um, saying that, wait a minute, our negotiations on the Trans Pacific Partnership Agreement um, are not happening in a process that is democratic. Our negotiations in the Transatlantic Trade Agreement are not happening in a democratic process. Major corporations are having extraordinary influence on those trade agreements, um, and it's time for a new kind of trade agreement. Um, a a new kind of trade agreement that is really for the time that we're living in and not a trade agreement that is something from 25 years ago supporting a neoliberal process that has been extremely destructive um, in, in many ways, particularly to the people who have less.
0: You know, one piece of our analysis on trade agreements is that they're no longer really between countries. They're between corporations, multinational corporations, who are doing the importing and exporting, and each individual government. And once the corporations kind of get what they want from each individual government because they're so largely embedded in the process, the trade agreements end up reflecting their interests. Okay. Um, and and in, in one really specific instance, uh, we've had this infographic come out on the effects of factory farmed meat and dairy and its contribution to climate change. And I think in our analysis, um, you know, we would say that the system of globalization that's happening right now is really creating rules under which the system of greenhouse gas emissions is allowed to flourish. But it's it's also indicative of a much larger system of increasing corporate control over global processes. What did we, IATP and and civil society do in 2017 to really try to shift the balance of power away from the multinational corporations? And then I wanna ask you to do something very cliche and predict what we can do in 2018 to continue that shift.
1: Ah, 2018 predictions. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think the first thing that you do around the power, when, you, when you're talking about the power picture that we have of, of transnational corporations, um, is to be able to assess that power and be able to document it and be, and be sure about what you're talking about when you refer to that power it's it 's counterintuitive to think that, for instance, that, that major corporations are really the people negotiating trade agreements. Um, we have a long history of talking about countries as negotiating trade agreements um, but But in reality, when you look at the where the influence lies with uh, how those negotiations take place and the fact that companies are no longer just part of one country but are transnationally based. Um, they have um, a very, very strong interest, of course, in increasing their profits in, in wherever they are operating as a transnational corporation. Um, and, and that is why they're so influential in, in trade agreements. In 2018, we will see a continued growth in the energy and commitment of the civil society organizations in, in a number of different ways. One of them is in, is in work with the media. One of the positive things I think that is happening, particularly in the United States right now, is that there has been a renewal in journalistic practices and in journalistic energy. This is happening not just in mainstream journalism. Um, I think that we're seeing it in in the blogosphere. I think we're seeing it in all manner of communications. The time and attention that people are giving to getting their facts straight, providing citations, being clear in their findings, is really important. And it's something that needed to happen and it's something that's very positive. And I see civil society as a really instrumental part of that. Um, I think that there will be more energy... Uh, in trilateral um, cooperation between non-governmental organizations in Mexico, the United States, and Canada, because I think that the NAFTA negotiation is going to continue to be stalled, uh, and, that the, um, and that that stall gives us a great opportunity as civil society organizations to talk about and rebuild what we think a real trade agreement needs to address. I think we're going to see a further erosion of the America First approach and the America First banner that is being flown by Trump and a, a return and a very welcome one uh, by, by politicians and by civil society organizations uh, to the kind of internationalist leadership, the internationalist values held um, uh, in America by so many of the people who live here. I think we will see, uh, fingers crossed, but I think that we are already seeing uh, greater likelihood for the dreamers. I think that we're going to see further resistance to the wall and further clarity about the importance of immigration and immigrants to the United States. I think it's going to be a powerful year for civil society, actually.
0: So you talked a lot about reclaiming internationalist values. I mean, I, th- I think that's definitely really important. I think there are a bi- there's a big movement towards that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there are a lot of people, including people in, in our office, who are working at the state and local level because sure. you feel like the actual you know solutions to the, um, the current model of globalization that favors multinational corporate rights um, are actually going to come from reinvigorating local production systems, Uh, reinvigorating uh, local civic engagement and uh, putting power in local communities. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have our Farm to School program going, we have our Rural Climate Dialogue program going. Um, And just talk about what we've done in the last year on those those levels and how that's contributing to this broader systemic view of uh, internationalism, of trade, um, of creating this world that we want to see.
1: It's a really important question. Um, why would a single organization work at a local level, at a state level, at a regional level, and an international level? And I think, I think the answer to it is, is because we must and, and understand that, that impacts happen at the local level and that rule setting can be happening somewhere else completely. Um, but that doesn't mean that the day-to-day operational reality, the rules that we put into practice as a community, as a culture, at the most local level through the state and, and national levels, um, those, those things we can have an effect on um, a lot. And they can feed directly into upper level policies or vice versa. It's a web. And it, it, isn't, all, it, isn't, um, it isn't hierarchical, necessarily. Um, and I think that, that that's why, with our farm to institution, with IATP's farm to institution program, doing that doesn't just mean that, little, that, that kids in Head Start programs are getting fresh food and learning what a zucchini is. And the, and the Hmong American Farmers Association, with whom we work very closely, um, now have, have good distribution channels, and that the Head Start um, kids go out to that farm and see what's going on at that farm and pick beans and, and wash cucumbers. Um, and that uh, at the same time, um, we are in a network with people all across the country who work on farm to institution programs and farm to head start programs and farm to school programs, and working with them to build policy in their states and policy in our state that actually supports making sure that we have local farmers getting food, healthy food to local kids, nutrition. That, in itself is um, it, it 's a bit of a microcosm, but that has to happen at the same time as working on a global issue and saying, "Why is it important that our trade policies, for example, don't make it impossible for a school or a municipality to say we prefer getting local food you know and an international policy agreement could make that claim right um, and so all of these things do connect and um, that's why we tend to expand our thinking and take them into consideration.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, the, the really important thing is that it enables uh, farmers to break free of dependence on multinational corporations for selling their crops, right? Now they have a buyer who's local. And that, that local buyer, um, you know, basically we've now cut out the middleman, which in this case is the multinational corporation, and they're so dependent on being the, the middleman of the world um, and so, yeah, I I get really excited about that local program, too. What do we have coming up uh, in 2018? Again, another cliché prediction, um, both Farm and Institution, um, talk a bit about the Rural Climate Dialogues, but also um, I, I really want to focus on this idea of um, creating local power because I think especially in the family farm movement, there's a lot of momentum against factory farming to take action on climate change towards sustainable agriculture. That's all happening at the, at the local level. And um, how does IATP bring an internationalist perspective to that?
1: Well, let's talk for a minute um, about about how local campaigns finally connect up to a big international picture. And probably the best example is to talk about the meat industry and what's going on um, in that industry. We, we know that there's a global meat complex, that when we talk about big meat, we're not just talking, we're not, we're not talking about, a uh, for the most part, a pastoral scene. We're talking about a, a, a major, a, a gigantic industry that um, that is pretty integrated globally. And that makes it, that that is also facing local campaigns, very serious local campaigns, to change its practices. So if we look at um, CAFOs, at big factory farms, there are many, many across the United States, across the world, there are active citizens' campaigns to do something about the extraordinary pollution that is caused by large scale animal operations, by factory farms. Um, water pollution that is caused by them, animal cruelty associated with them, um, uh, food safety issues associated with them, um, and certainly um, greenhouse gas emissions now associated with them. And these are the new kind of new findings that IATP along with Grain and others have that show that um, the major meat companies are responsible um, for GHG emissions something equal to the amount that Germany is producing and somewhat more than ExxonMobil and and BP are producing um, these are these are these this will change and this is this is something that that is I think that we can say we will see starting in 2018 um, the combination of people having local very very um, uh, prevalent local campaigns very well researched very well um, attended uh loud raucous getting louder and more raucous i think um as time goes on the combination of that with a greater understanding and documentation of how the major meat companies are financed how they're run who they're responsible to to whom are they accountable um and uh how good are their, uh, is their own information about what they're doing about the pollution that they're putting into the environment or the GHGs that they're putting into the environment? Um, because if we don't do anything about it, then we are guaranteed a failure in, in slowing down climate change in any meaningful way.
0: So to bring this all to a close, um, talk about how you see the systems fitting together and how uh We can move forward in the future on maintaining the momentum that we already have and forestalling the momentum that's going against us
1: by insisting that the systems do affect one another. Um, I think that we get into a trap when we talk about individual wins and how we think an individual win is going to solve our problems and let the kind of social change happen that we need to have happen um, you know. The kind of changes that we're talking about happen out of chaos. And, and they don't happen out of any one particular uh, sole decision that is made. Here, here, here would be a good example. Um, let's say that NAFTA was renegotiated next week and, and signed. Um, what would that mean if there was one aspect in it that we have long thought was a good idea, such as, such as uh, you know, ensuring that ISDS is no longer part of NAFTA? Um, could we even predict what that would mean outside of thinking about um, what other agreements are important between Canada, and U.S., and Mexico? Outside of thinking about what the what the uh, American support for the drug wars in Mexico actually means for the economy of Mexico without thinking about immigration in the United States.
0: These,
1: are, these, these issues are connected to one another. And so taking a, a, a narrow path and, and, and thinking that we can predict what's the one thing that could happen that would really turn this thing around, that would really change agricultural systems. What it what it what it what it takes is a whole society to understand and prioritize good democratic decision making structures, fair economies, less control by 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 transnational corporations for corporate profit, an understanding that if we if we continue down a road of racism and misogyny. Uh, and in, in equity. Um, all of these things come together in a picture of some kind of a just society. And the agriculture and trade systems that we're talking about need to exist within a just society as a whole. They neither they neither drive that just society, nor are they simply uh, a result of a just society. They are within it, and within a number of different systems. So, what could happen in 2018? I would say that that we we divide our time and our resources. Uh, between what I call damage control. Um, at the same time, it's important to have new ideas. We have a number of them of what we think should happen in, in local economies and, and with local farmers and local markets. Um, with internationalism, we can jump all the way to that. And we have a lot of, there are a lot of positive um, and new ideas. And not just ours, but there, there are many. And they're being generated full force. Um, out of crisis comes the generation of new and great ideas.
0: All right. Well, Juliet, thanks a lot for joining me. And uh, happy 2018 and happy holiday season to everyone who's listening, been listening to Uprooted, podcast from the Institute for and Trade Policy. For more information about what you've heard, including to read all of our blogs and reports from 2017, you can visit our website at www.bihp.org. Thanks for listening.